Hi everyone and welcome to Skills for Mars. Today I'm hosting the amazing Dylan Ali. We are going to talk about happiness, mindfulness, empathy and building amazing habits. I do hope you will enjoy our discussion. We are looking forward to your feedback, to your comments, to your questions. If you do like the podcast, subscribe. We are present on all social media channels like YouTube, LinkedIn, Spotify and iTunes. And now I give you Dylan Ali. I'm very happy to be hosting you, Dylan. Thank you. <laughs> And uh, definitely, this is exactly what I want to, to talk about uh, with you. Happiness. Uh, we were talking about empathy the last time. Yes. Uh, we were talking about habits, truth, meditation, getting in touch with all our feelings and not only part that, that is allowed by society and all of that. So yes. let's kick it off with happiness. So what yes. makes you happy these days? <laughs> um, right now, the present moment. I mean, let's just break that down for a second. The sun is shining on my face. I'm wearing shorts and a, and a nice button-down short sleeve shirt. <clears throat> I've got my sunglasses, my hair combed, my beard is groomed, and I'm not sweating and dying because it's so hot. I'm not freezing because it's so cold. And in this moment, I have everything that I want. The wind just blew, and it's nice and cool. The sun is shining. It's nice and warm. So I feel the contrast of the sun here and the wind here. That's happiness. So really, if we boil that down to happiness for me is simply being with the present moment. Many of us can be present, but few of us can be with the present. And happiness for me is being with the present. How do you do that? And I'm asking, and I know we were going to talk about meditation and mindfulness, but it's, it's one to talk about it and actually another to feel present. And you're a coach in this. So... How can people and how can everyone, how can I feel more present? You want to do a quick experiment with me? Yeah, definitely. All right. I'm going to have you clap your hands like this, but I want, but I want you to clap it as hard as you can. And okay. now I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to prep you. It's going to sting a little bit, right? But when you clap it as hard as you can, okay. either when you're done with that, I want you to set it on your lap or set it on your desk, but palms up. Okay. Okay. And cool. then just listen to the prompt of my voice. <clears throat> Ready? Perfect. Big clap. Go. One more. Down. And just focus on your breath. And I want you to just focus on your breath and feel air into your nostril. Taste the air. Feel it. Allow your diaphragm to... Still, now slowly release the breath. And just follow that cadence. Slowly fill the diaphragm and release. Your hand's stinging right now. Feel it. Don't try to block it out. Feel your hand. Pay attention to it. Be with it. And just breathe. And we're going to do three more breaths. Inhale. Exhale nice and slow. Feel your hands. It stings. It's pulsating. Let's focus on the breath. One more. Now, that is what I'm talking about when I say be with the present moment. Now, how do we get to that? 
first of all, I wanted, I, I would like for you just to share this experience that you just had. Um, please, if you have mm -hmm. any commentary on it. Oh, definitely. Yeah, the hands do stink, but what's really interesting when you take the breath is that you feel the air throughout your whole body. And you just somehow are making the same movements as your body. Things that you don't usually pay attention to. It just happens. It just happens happens right yes. we, we we pay attention to whatever we have in our hand or whoever is talking but we rarely pay attention to exactly how our tummy inflates right the the lungs full yes. of, are full of air how our body moves how you feel the tingling in in the hands and how it moves through the hands really nicely yes, yes. now how do we get to that for me it's simple it's through breath work and through meditation so breath work the number one job of our mouth is to what? Eat. Number two is to speak. Number one no job of our nose is to breathe. I can go, I've gone as, 75 has been the longest that I've ever done a fast. So I've gone 75 hours. I know people that have gone way past that. Um, I can't really put a finger on how long I've gone without water, but I have friends that are athletes, physique athletes, and they do... Um, they deplete, they water deplete, and some of them go 24, 48 hours without water. But the world record for holding your breath is 22 minutes oxygenated, which means I have an apparatus or I do something to create space for me to hold more oxygen. Now, the world record without any apparatus or without any oxygenation is 11 minutes. So ideally, you can go 11 minutes without breath. So for me, it's simple. Breath is life. And when I learn to breathe correctly, right now, you and I, on average, people, we use 20% capacity of our lungs. So when I learn to breathe correctly, then I learn to oxygenate my body, oxygenate my mind. Now I think clearer, I'm calmer, I sleep better. I oxygenate my body, I perform better. And that's just a scratch in the surface. That's just breath. Now you pair breath with the silence of meditation and you allow the contaminants, if you will, to dissolve or settle at the bottom. You allow the cream to rise to the top. That's where we get the space. And the space is the difference between feeling that energy moving your hand and going, ow, my hand hurts. Big difference. And the reason I had you do that exercise is because sometimes it doesn't make sense when I articulate it like that, but it probably makes all the sense in the world to you because your hand's probably still tingling. Yeah, they are. Right. And so when you can use an exercise like that to visual, to take that visualization and make it reality, you see, oh, guess what? I'm in the middle of financial crisis, but I can breathe and I can relax and I still have a roof over my head and I still have a warm bed and I still have hot food on the table. But I'm in a financial crisis. Oh my God. But I can breathe and I can slow down. And that's really the framework behind it. And then it is surprising how. A lot of people, they, they just feel the chaos. They just feel that, that stress, uh, financial crisis, as you just described it. And they forget, and we forget sometimes, I'm, I'm guilty as well, that uh, indeed I breathe. Uh, I have a roof over my, my head, on my head. I have uh, an amazing partner, an amazing family who will always support me. But you tend to forget and you just focus on the chaos. You got out of chaos not a, long, not a very long time ago. How did you make the switch? It is a switch. It, it's, it's another 
routine that you have to go through. Yes. The reason that we all live in chaos is because it's become habit. Chaos has become habit. And we are taught to seek approval externally from a very young age. Um, Mama, Dada, good boy, good girl. Oh, my goodness. Did you see he walked? She walked. Great job. Right? You go to school. You get grades. We strive to come home because if my son comes home with A's, he expects praises. If he comes home with F's, he's probably going to hide his report card. So we are always taught to strive for this perfection. And the reality is perfection is simply the fear of rejection. So recognizing that we've been taught this, A, I can give myself grace and go, okay, I've just been going to the wrong school. But what I do recognize about that is that everything that I've learned has been habitual in nature. So for me, before there's commitment, before there's expansion, before there's anything else, there's discipline. And it is setting the alarm clock to wake up at five o'clock in the morning, to go run, go pray, go meditate, go do whatever it is that you are creating now, the space to do, and the commitment and discipline to do. So yes, at first, put it in your calendar, right? I have my coaching clients set four alarms on their, I mean, most of us have an iPhone or an Android and we can't live without it. Well, great, let's use it as a tool. Set four alarms for the day, 9 a.m., 12 p.m., 2 p.m., and 4 p.m. First one is gratitude, the second one is breed, third one is gratitude, fourth one is breed. When that alarm goes off, just as you and I are talking right now and the alarm goes off, I tap my pocket and I just simply just go, it's such a beautiful day and I remembered to breathe. Now, our nervous system has us breathing subconsciously, but now when we can learn to breathe consciously, now we have choice. So now when you come at me with whatever life situation is, I can choose to stop, breathe. Now, when I choose to stop and breathe twice a day and I choose to stop and grieve gratitude twice a day, what becomes a habit? Breathing and gratitude. We are what we repeatedly do. So we are habitual beings. 95% of our today is based on yesterday. Unfortunately, 86% of that is negative. So when I wake up and I open my eyes, I know that I have an 86% chance of it being a shitty day if yesterday was a shitty day. So now I have the discipline to say when I wake up, I'm not going to look at this thing. I'm not going to put on my headphones into a book or a podcast or anything. Everything from the get-go in the beginning of the day, I choose what I input. Now that allows me to set the stage. But before I can do any of this great stuff that we're going to talk about over the next 45 minutes, I have to have the discipline to sit down and say, I'm going to do the work to create the habits. What habits? Simple. What life do you want? What reality do you want? Do you want to have a six-pack? You better have the habits of eating your fruits and veggies, right? You want more money in the bank? You better have a habit of like being intuitive and being creative and, doing, and having business. You want to have a big financial portfolio? You better have the habits of reading and articulating and um, consuming a lot of financial information. Now, but before that, you got to have this crazy vision of what you want life to be. And I don't think many of us stop and really think about that. Does anyone go, my vision for life is chaos? I want to run. I <laughs> no, they run all know from, it's yeah. chaos, right? right? We, we are taught from the very beginning that life is hard. And that's the thing. It's the conscious language. Julia, we say life is hard. So guess what? Life is hard. If I say life is a beach, guess what? I'm wearing flamingo shirts and life is a beach. <laughs> we have the power to create out of our words. In the beginning, if you're a fan of the Bible or not, 
doesn't matter. It's a great story. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. With a spoken word created light. Now, I'm going to kind of scale back and make some assumptions. Before those words, he probably had a thought. And there's been a lot of great books throughout history that have talked about and really around the subject of thoughts become things. James Allen, I think, wrote that one. Thoughts become things, right? And so now if I recognize that I have this power to create whatever it is I want, man, if I can put the discipline behind how those thoughts are taken in and how they're articulated and how they're put out, I literally have the blueprint of having peace, quiet, happiness, and joy. And for some people that peace and quiet and happiness, you know, has a big lake or has a mansion or has a Lamborghini attached to it. And that's cool. If you want that, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. My style is listen, right after this, this shirt's coming off. It's going to be me, my fanny pack, my sunglasses and my son and wife outside playing in the yard. That's my mansion Lambo and, and lake house. Right. So when you start coming from that space of, I've created the discipline to live in my vision and I have absolute control of it. You stop putting all of the power in external forces. You stop putting the power in people. You start giving your power away to jobs, to bosses, to society, and you start to live from within. You start to live for you. We live in this 3D world, right? Front, back, left, right, up, down, back, front. I say, let's move into another dimension where we're living from within. That's that fifth dimension where you're coming from within. As within, so without, right? A lot of smart men and women throughout history. Stoicism is big on that, right? Spirituality is big on that. But it's that easy. The words are there. Let's just fuse with the energy and the end result for anything. All of these great dialogues, books, just famous, like great leaders, all these people that we put on a pedestal, it all points back to what? We just simply want to be happy. That's it. And happiness is a choice. Is it happiness or is it meaning? Because some would argue that happiness is not that important in life. Some big names. And, 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 and I would say, you do you, boo-boo. That's great. Listen, I can create a lot of meaning in life and I can give a lot of people a lot of meaning. But if I'm going to be upset and angry and tired the entire way, excuse my language, but fuck that noise. Like, I'm here. Look, so you might be here to make millions of dollars and to build, but I'm here to have fun. And that's the, that's the beauty of it. Whatever that fun is looks like for you. Maybe some people, maybe it's the same expression that I have, but they just choose the word meaning or meaningful. So I'm never going to discount what someone's version of life is or vision of life is. I'm simply going to share what mine is. And what I know that is that when I allow my light to shine without any doll, that it'd be great if all 7.5 million billion of us was on Dylan's page, but how boring would that be? I just know that if I stand in my truth and if I let my light shine, that the light that you're looking for will hopefully be reflected in that, or the shadow that you're running from will be exposed to that. Either way, I'm happy, and that was meaningful. Have you met people who have chased happiness to no end and it didn't just, it just didn't work out for them? Yes. Um, my best friend of 17 years passed away two years ago of brain cancer and he chased 
based happiness. And it was always in the form of pleasing other people, right? Mm -hmm. Building for other people. Yes, at the core, he was a very amazing human being, filled with love, filled with passion. But he literally went to the grave in search of impact and meaningfulness. And I think he gave up a lot of his happiness in route to that. Um, How does that happen? Someone who's who's doing all of this for love and and just supporting others. How does it happen because, that? Yeah. Because what we end up doing is that we get caught in this cycle of really. Here's the reality of it: we're not trying to love and support others. We're simply trying to love and support ourselves. We're simply trying to prove to ourselves that we are worthy. We are enough. We are worth love. And that just happens to come out. And remember I said we live in this 3D world. It comes out in words and thoughts. I'm sorry, it comes out in words and actions. And, you know, especially in the entrepreneur space, right? Let's just make it really, really relevant. So many entrepreneurs lead out of fear. It's the old, well, excuse me, but F you, I'm worth more than this. I'm out. It's Jerry Maguire. I'm, I'm leaving. Who's coming with me? And I'm taking the goldfish. Let me show you what I can do. Listen, that leads to a lot of success. Napoleon Hill talked about it. It's the way to manifest. It is have a desire that's so strong, fueled by any emotion. And I say, perhaps, let's just try love. Because out, out of love, it's an emotion. So it's the fuel that, that, that juices the desire into manifestation. But now, if I truly help you and I truly want to give, but it's not coming from a place where I have to prove something to you or to myself, and I'm truly giving. So what's really cool is that there's a lot of people out there in the world that are giving. Here's a little secret. We're robbing ourselves of what we give by holding on to the trauma and emotion. If we can heal and let go of that, we still want to give because now we can tap into the passion of that past, but we're not tethered to it. That tether is called narcissism. I give, 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 but fuck you, man. Who's going to give me? And I know a lot of successful people that have had that dialogue with me, and I've seen it play out. Uh, Dylan, I was I was thinking, and I was listening to a podcast these days, um, and it's it's always forever to talk about the UBI and what are we going to do when uh, machines take over that we will lose all meaning and people will go rioting and they will be unhappy. How do you see this? How can we move from where we are right now, where we know that we have a job which pretty much it gives meaning to a lot of people they they're going and they're doing something how can we shift so we don't feel that we are losing something and we can choose what we do and and look at it from another perspective do what you love here's the reality of it most people that are in fear of ai taking over and replacing them they're just doing something that gets them by. They're doing something that they think other people want them to do. And here's the reality of things. You don't have to wake up and hustle and grind. You don't have to wake up and go to an eight to five. You don't have to be an entrepreneur. You don't have to make a lot of money. You don't have to do any of that. And what's really cool about what's going on in the world right now is I think a lot of people are realizing that with the pandemic that's going on. And so it's simply, this one's kind of tough to digest a little bit, but 
maybe that job is not for you. Maybe that career is not for you. And what I would say to people is simply this. Trust who you are, trust what you love, and do what you love. And it always works out, right? It always works out. And that's a very great thing to say because I know people want black and white. People want tangibles. They want actionable items. But I think you already framed it at the beginning of the conversation that it's not going to be one of those dialogues. And it's really a great time with this dialogue to reevaluate what it is we want out of life. And the reality is, is most of us don't need any of this stuff to be happy. Like we are taught to chase things to find happiness. And here's why everyone's freaking out about AI. Because the thing, my job, the money, the title, I think that that's the thing that's allowing me to be happy because I have certain food on my plate and I drive a certain car and I live in a certain house. But the reality is, is how do we offset that? By coming within and finding happiness from within. And that's that's the hard thing to do, and that's why we are having this uh, yes. this dialogue. Uh, it's, I think it takes practice. Yes, absolutely. I think it takes concentrated effort and practice to learn how to know yourself, how to feel yourself, and understand who you are in this world, um, yes. how you affect others, how others affect you, and then figure out what you have to do along the way. I, I still have issues when I when I uh, talk in the business world and I just whisper the word energy when I talk about people. Like, honestly, I get very bizarre looks. <laughs> it's the first time, what is she talking about? Where is she coming from? Then I, it, it, it exists. I just, I, I, when I feel with you, I get very uh, tired or I get very energetic and it's just the way you, you, you energize me or you, you speak about things or you include me in things. It, it just happens, but I still get very, very strange looks. And that's 99% of the time. I imagine you do the same. Um, don't know, don't care. That's my response to it, right? <laughs> Here's the thing. I know that you're going to look at me weird and funny, but I know that at the end of a conversation, you're going to want more of the dialing juice. You're going to want more of the dialing energy. So for me, I say language is fuck things up. And so I choose to not use many words, which happens to kind of be my gift, right? It's the thing that I do. But <laughs> Come on, you talk. Yes. But I recognize that I let my actions speak louder than my words. So now in the corporate setting, I use terminology like I let my actions speak louder than words and they get it. I use words like intuition because then they get it. But now you're just speaking their lingo. So for me, it's beautiful. 20 years plus in the corporate space, I know how to now take SWOT analysis, gap analysis, KPIs, metrics, and WAPs, and all those things and create a dialogue that serves me. For example, if I'm talking to someone in a corporate setting and we're talking about aligning their energy behind their business, and I go, okay, hey, Julia, what are your KPIs for your folks? And they go, this, this, and that, and the other. Okay, okay, good. That's energy. So now when I say, how do you get more calm? I say, let's create some KPIs around things that'll make you calm. So I know that if I make 100 phone calls a day, five days a week, I'm probably going to set 20 meetings. And I know if I set 20 meetings, that I'm gonna have a take rate of 50% of those that stick. So I'm gonna have 10 meetings. And I know that out of those 10 meetings, if I have a 60% close rate, I'm gonna sell six out of the 10. Now I know that six out of 10, my average selling price is a million dollars. I know how to sell my $6 million. Now, if I can't see it, then I can create a gap plan. 
Now, what if the prize was not the $6 million PO and it was your happiness? How many days a week do you have to pray, meditate, do breath work, or blah, blah, blah? How many days do you have to wake up early? How many days do you have to go outside and spend in nature? Whatever the KPIs are. And now what I found is simply just having the lingo that business in corporate America or corporate world uses, it's language, it's words. I said words fuck stitch. Words F-U-C-K stuff up, but words also have the power to shift. And now, since they're not buying into energy, but they love words, corporate American businesses love words, then I simply play on the words that they're used to. And they feel the energy, and I never talk about it. And then, when they come back and they say, darling, you know, there's just this thing, man. I, I, I don't get it, but it all makes... Then they're in a place... That's literally them saying, hey, Dylan, talk to me about energy now. Just like you felt it in your hand, right? Now you know what I mean. So for me, it's, it's always this world of being metaphorical and having analogies. And it's really just speaking, quote unquote, the client's language. You were in between worlds. When did you realize that you have to get out of corporate and do something different? Was it a long time ago? Yes. Did you, did you have a mix of both worlds? I had a mix of both worlds for about three years. And the reason that I didn't jump and try to grow wings on the way down or jump and pull my parachute is I don't need wings and I don't need a parachute because I wasn't meant to come back down to earth. I was meant to soar. And so for me, it was literally taking that time to dissolve the fear, the anxiety, because here's the thing. I don't really coach much better than I did two, three years ago. I don't really speak that much better. I mean, obviously with repetition comes, right, um, comes a growth. But the reality is, is that I worked more on releasing the fear and the anxiety. Mm -hmm. I worked more on releasing the feelings of not being enough, not being worthy. And for a time, I was this amazing hybrid version of, you know, East meets West. Last three to five years of my corporate um, career, I made more money than I ever made. Last three to five years of my corporate career, I had more recognition. Um, I was my brand, if you will, in corporate was better than it's ever been. And some would say at 47, leaving corporate, I'm nuts because I have three years till I hit my pinnacle. And I was doing pretty well, so the pinnacle would have been really nice. But here's the reality of things. I also realized that if I ended my career where I wanted to be, let's just say leading an organization of 100 salespeople, I'd be responsible for about 300 lives. That's really cool. But knowing who I am and trusting who I am and what I have to give, I know that I can affect way more than that. And I'm not going to cap it and label it and stifle it by giving a number, but it can be a lot more. And what I realized is that. I can have that impact on people by just showing up. And, you know, I was always that coach, that mentor, that grounding force in the corporate space. I literally had people would look at me and go, you don't really care about this shit, do you? And I say, no, I don't. Because money is just a green piece of paper. And I sold myself out. I sold out the way that I spoke, the way that I acted, the way that I dressed, and the way I presented myself. And it got me a lot of recognition, a lot of you know, a lot of money, a lot of great stuff, but I was miserable and I was living in chaos. And you and I both know that it doesn't matter. There's no amount of money, no amount of cars, no amount of women, 
man, booze, drugs, alcohol, anything to fill that void. And so for me, it was never that I wanted to leave corporate. I just saw how delicious life can be. And I knew that I was enough of a force in energy to share that with other people. And they too can see that. And they too can feel that, feel that and feel that. Because now here's the reality of things. You have powerful, smart, intelligent, emotionally intelligent people with resources. Guess what? That's how we go change the world. Like if I'm not freaking out about keeping 20 bucks in my pocket, and I have this open heart to go give, and making money is now easier than ever, that's just my contribution to wanting to change the world. That's all. Talk to me about fear, if you, if you are okay to get there. Because I think a lot of people feel it, and they, they are not fighting. Do you fight fear? Do you just accept it? What, do you, what did you do with your fear of moving away and living the life that you want to live? Yes, it is. <clears throat> we are born knowing love. Love is the emotion that we are all born with. We are love. That's why we are born of love. We learn fear. The baby's first fear is the fear of being dropped, right? I'm actually guilty of that as a parent. I think uh, my son was three months old and I was buckling him into his first stroller and I didn't put the little seatbelt on and he leaned forward and he fell out. So that started fear, right? And then then what do we learn? No, don't touch that. It's hot. Be careful. Like it's a we, bug. Run away. Yes. It's, it's like, it's, we learn fear. So listen, I don't expect anyone to listen to this and have an epiphany and change because you've had five years, 10 years, 20, 30, in my case, 40, 40 years of fear baked in. And what I would say is we live in a world today where we have more global reach and more access at our fingertips. You're in Sweden right? Um, Amsterdam. You're, I'm sorry, you're in Amsterdam. Yeah, you're in Amsterdam. Oh, even better. Yes, you're in Amsterdam. I'm in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and we're having a great dialogue. So literally, the reason people pay me as a coach is not to teach them what to do. I don't have anything that they can't find at the click of a button. The reason people work with a coach is for accountability. That's it. Everything that we need is already within. So really, when it comes down to releasing the fear, is accepting the fear. And so what I, would, what I would do, if you were my client right now and you're in fear of whatever, what are you afraid of? What's the worst possible outcome? And in that worst possible outcome, did you die? Nope, okay. Then you're saying there's a chance, right? And now that we have that, then I simply say, Julia, now let's shift and let's think about the best possible outcome of this business that you're launching, of this COVID-19 that's going on. Best possible outcome is I had three months. I, I, realized, I realized that this, however long it's been, it's been the longest time. My son is nine. It's been the longest time since my son has been alive that I've been home consecutively without traveling. Bring on COVID all day long. I literally just had three months with my family. I've, I haven't had that in his lifetime. Ooh, now the fear starts to dispel a little bit, right? So really it's what's the best case scenario? Find that, feel it, live in that energy, and it just dissolves the other. So it's not fighting the fear. It's not, it's not defeating the fear. It's not ignoring the fear. It is 
simply shifting your focus. Now, when you do that, you've acknowledged the fear, you've accepted the fear, but most importantly, you have allowed the fear to now move through you and dissolve and dissipate. Is fear going to come up? Do I feel fear? Absolutely. I feel fear all the time. But I know that the, the more fear I feel is the more reason that I should do the thing that I'm afraid of doing. Because the bigger the fear, the bigger the reward. The bigger the obstacle, the bigger the payoff. One of my favorite motivational speakers, Dr. Um, Billy Allsberg, he says, you cannot have a testimony without having a test. Right? And for me, the trial, the testimony is simply the test and the pass is an A++++++++. And so for me, when I look at it now, here's the thing. We all have experience in life. And experience means nothing if you don't have reflection. And if you don't have contemplation. And that is how it's time. We, we, we do something, we mess up, we reflect, we contemplate, we learn, we move forward. And it's how we skip steps and it's how we collapse time. And so fear is natural. When we learn that fear is not a bad thing, we've been taught that fear is a bad thing. But can you imagine how crazy of amazing world we could possibly live in? Can you imagine the inventions, the things that we can do if it hadn't been for fear? Right? And the things we did for fear as well. Talk to me about that. <laughs> oh, the, the, the world moved for a while through fear. Yeah. I mean, you have, you, you even have right now countries that, that live in fear. They don't yes. even, some don't even recognize it anymore. It's just normal. Now, and that's the thing. We've come to accept fear as normal. What I'm here to tell you is that I did not sign up to live 80, 90 years on this earth in fear and pain and suffering to get to some idea of a golden gates in a cloud somewhere. Like, I'm not here to discount what your idea is of heaven or hell, but what I am here to say is that I chose to come out of this earth, out of this world. I am born not into the world, but out of the world. It's the story of Adam and Eve. God created man from the earth. We are born of the earth. We are extensions of this. And when I chose to show up as a big, tall, brown man with tattoos, earrings, beard, this voice, this hairstyle, this look, I knew that the game was going to be fun. And I'm here for the thrill of the game. And Think about it. So many of us, we start off in life for the thrill of the game, like professional athletes. And somewhere along the line, we lose the passion for the game because we're blinded by the shiny objects. And that is why we accept living in fear. I can't tell you how many people I've coached that said, man, all I've got to do is do this for five more years and then I'll pay off the house and then I'll, I'll chill and I won't work 80 hours a week. And I go, no, it's more like you're going to be working more because your wife is going to leave you. Now you're going to be paying child support and alimony. You're going to be supporting two houses. You're going to be supporting four cars because she wants her everyday car and her fun car too because you have a fun car. And now it's this back and forth. And we think that's normal. What is, what is the, the divorce rate? Is something like 50%? Like it's normal that if it's marriage crazy. doesn't work out, right? And that's chaotic. We've yeah. been trained to live in chaos. And guess what? When you remove the noise of the chaos, you realize that, wow, life is beautiful and amazing. And here's the thing. We've unfortunately been taught to put a lot of shit on top of a lot of shit to create happiness. We are taught to chase happiness and I, or chase 
things to make us happy. And I can't remember the book and, and the exact title of it, but the premise of the book was chase happiness and the things will come. And that's simply what I strive for. And it's what I teach. Find ways to be happy. Like right now, I'm sitting here. Um, we moved from outside because we had some you know, connection issues. And I'm looking at this cool little cat tower that is now my host. And I'm like, we have a cat. That's kind of cool, right? Like, we have so much to be grateful for around us. Find the gratitude every day and we'll find the happiness. Yeah, and maybe it's good to start, as you said, two times a day breathing exercise, two times a day gratitude, and then you f- maybe you can finally find yourself and understand what makes you happy. What makes well, it's you attitude. Happy. It's, what are you grated for? Yeah, yes, grateful it's, for. It's, it's habit. Here's the thing. Yeah. The reason I use gratitude and not just breath is... When you can find that breath and you can be in this moment, I can look around and see, I see pictures on the wall of my family. We have a cat. I'm looking outside of the beautiful yard. Like there's so much to be grateful for. Now, when I'm in the state of gratitude, I cannot be angry. I cannot be fearful and I cannot have anxiety. It just doesn't work like that. It like you can't work. do yeah. it, right? And so now if I, if I set the alarm to do that four times a day, seven days a week, 28 times a week, Multiply that how many days over the years. Listen, have you ever stubbed your toe and went, oh, you idiot. Why'd you do that? Or you drop something and break it. You go, I'm such an, I'm such an idiot. I'm so clumsy. Well, you want to know why you're clumsy? Because you say you're clumsy, right? If you say you can't or you can't, you can or you can't, either way, you're right. And so for me, it's understanding that language is such a spell. Now I just change the language and it goes back to now if I can have healthy habits of being in the moment with my breath in gratitude, then my normal is going to be gratitude and breath. Are you familiar with personality tests? Like the yeah, disc, yeah, definitely. The disc, I'm a psychologist. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's right. The disc test. Disc, disc. Here's, a, here's a great example. I love that one. It's my favorite one. Years and years ago, my natural state was around on a D was around 55. My adaptive state was about a 75. Now, from the outside looking in as a psychologist, you tell me if my perception is wrong. I lived it, so I know what my perception is. But Dylan's kind of high strong, and when shit goes down, Dylan just locks it down and gets even more high strong and just gets laser focused and gets it done. He takes the lead. I took that test. Okay, You're not coaching. You're directing at that point. Right. You're directing. And... And guess what? That lent to my success in corporate. Like I know how to take the reins and make stuff happen. Move out of the way. I can do it. I took that test about a year ago and my natural state, I think was about a 45 and my adaptive state was a 35. It dropped. And the reason that is so actually I'll ask you about that. It's it, it happens. But it's very rare. You needed to have some shift in your life for that to happen. That's the yes. theory, at least, yes. right? Because personality seems to be quite stable. Or right. it seemed to be quite stable because uh, people had, yeah, stable lives uh, yes. when, when developed these taste tests. But so, if you make drastic changes in your life, then, yeah, this can happen. Yes. And, you know, I know, I know we've had some dialogues before, but I'll, I'll pinpoint one exercise and one tool that I've used is cold plunges or ice bath. So now if you were able, if you've never taken an ice bath before, and I'm talking about sitting in a tub filled with water, either all the way up to your neck or above your head of, I don't know, 40 degree water. 
it sends a shock into your system. And what happens? You want to go like this. That's how I was in that old state. When, when life would shock me, I would go mode and I would make stuff happen. Now I get into the water and I sit down and I feel the cold, but this is what you see. Now, my natural state was here. My adaptive state when pressure comes is here. It's something that you train through psychology, through spirituality, through all of the above. You're absolutely right. I had to put in the work. And what that work looks like is literally, I have not missed a day of breath work or meditation in the last three and a half years. During the winter, now I don't cold plunge every day anymore because it's not a challenge. It's 80 degrees outside, but when it's 45 degrees outside or 25 degrees and the water's 35, that's how I do it. I have the discipline to get in there and do the work, and that's it. And I'm not saying you have to go cold plunge, but there are many tools, there are many resources, there are many techniques that we have and we can use to create those state shifts. And for me, I focused on the D because that was my... I mean, at the end of the day, that was kind of my badge of honor, right? Like I was a dude that could get shit done, but now having a different perspective on life, on life, if I choose to have a badge of honor, that's it too, because I say now I can still get stuff done, but I can do it in a much softer way. That's not only soft to you, but soft to me. So that's my question. How are you stopping yourself and controlling yourself to not jump and do what you always did, solve things? Quick because you can. Habit. I've created the habit. And the habit is meditation and breath work. For example, as a psychologist, you know that words are so powerful. You know that words can cast spells, if you will. And so now in meditation, I can't even, let's just put a quick number. It's got to be thousands, if not 10,000s of times that I've repeated the mantra. I don't know. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Now, when COVID-19 hits and the rug gets pulled out from everyone else in the world, literally that rug got pulled out from everyone else to simply set the table for Dylan Ali because I don't know, I don't care, it doesn't matter. Now that habit, that, those repeated words have become the habit, have become the subconscious programming because you and I are walking around and really what's driving us is the 90% of us that's non-physical, the subconscious. You may want to call it God, Gaia, he, she, it, subconscious, whatever you want to call it, right? As a psychologist, you know that, that that subconscious is what's driving our behavior. So as much as I want to be in shape and have abs, if my belief is that people that have amazing bodies are full of themselves and they're horrible people, and I value being a, a good person, I'm never going to put the cupcakes down, right? But if I say, listen, if people like shiny objects, Okay, if I have abs and I'm a shiny object, maybe they'll listen to the words that I say. So I don't care how they get to the words as long as they get to the words. So now I go, okay, I'm going to put the cupcakes down and have abs. Superficial and horrible, right? But it's really that, that, that dialogue that goes on internally. And now guess what? I don't starve myself. I don't have to go work out. I don't have to go run. I want to. Why? Because it's not about the abs. It's about people receiving the words. And if the abs happen to be the thing that gets the attention, then so be it. But when you start building those habits, you start having that space. 
And to me, you and I both know that we are what we repeatedly do. So now, instead of waking up and showering and then checking email and then turning on CNN, wake up, give gratitude, have a little space, forget what you did yesterday. I wake up every day and I strive to have amnesia. It doesn't matter how great of a husband I was yesterday. I have to put in the work today. It doesn't matter how bad of a husband I was yesterday. I get to start over today. Same thing for being a father. And so I always say that I am the black belt of dialing of yesterday. Today, I wake up, I'm a white belt. I have to do all the reps again. Tell me why is your mantra, I don't know, I don't care, it doesn't matter, because you are just the reverse of that. Well, it's, it's, it's not that I don't care about things. It's not that you don't matter, I don't matter. It, life, an accident. Okay, back to the old, what's the worst that can happen of this? What's the best? Can, the best can happen out of it is they total my car and I get a brand new car. Wow, what a treat. So that allows me to not, really boils back to, it allows me to not judge self, situation, or others. Right? I had someone call me up the other day, serious conversation. Someone called me up and said, hey, I saw that so-and-so commented on your post and you need to be careful with that guy because he tries to steal people's customers and this and that and the other. And I literally said, none of my business. Don't know, don't care, it doesn't matter. Why? He is choosing to have this experience the way that he is choosing to have it. Has nothing to do with me, has everything to do with his own internal dialogue, right? Don't know why he's doing it, don't care, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, no one does what Dylan Ali does. So there is no competition. That's not arrogant. It's just simply my belief in who I am. No one does what you do. So there is no competition. So when I say I don't know, I don't care, it doesn't matter. It's not about like I don't care if I win or lose or succeed or this. It's simply that um, don't know, don't care, it doesn't matter. Here's a great example. <laughs> I have a, an amazing opportunity to be on a magazine cover that launches in a couple of days. Um, have an awesome um, opportunity to be the featured article in it. And my team worked on it. We sent it over and they came back and said, this is all wrong. We want you to redo it. And I go, okay, cool. So I redo it. I send it over. She gave me confirmation this morning that everything's good. But yet we have this beautiful, like, I mean, amazing article that looks top notch with like this awesome photo for the cover. And my team was like, man, it sucks that you did all that work. We did all that work. And I simply responded, don't know, don't care. It doesn't matter. None of my business. Because I know that I'm not living in the end game right now. I'm living in the vision. And I don't care how it rolls out. Now, because I don't know, I don't care. It doesn't matter. What that allows to happen is magic. So now my team, um, they decided that they're just going to launch their own magazine now for entrepreneurs. And so they said, hey, listen, we have this great article. We have a great cover. We have it all set up. Would you be the cover of our first magazine, our launch episode or whatever? I can't think of it right now. Episode or whatever for June. So literally that opportunity turned into two magazine covers. Don't know. Don't care. It doesn't matter. It is it's it is a funny uh, mantra because you do care, right? You're I a very do. caring person. You do yes. care very much, 
And uh, yeah, that's why that's why it baffled me at the beginning. But uh, yeah, I want. Well, to I like it. I like it because it's it's kind of meant to do that. Because here's the reality of what I'm saying is I don't care about the shit, mm-hmm. right? And you shouldn't either. And that's a problem. Problem's a strong word. That's the choice that many of us make is to care about the stupid shit. Oh man, they change our comp plan. Don't know. Don't care. It doesn't matter. Oh man, so and so said about something about this, and this person dissed you, and this person. Don't know, don't care, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's just noise. I yes, agree. it's just noise. It is noise. And when you don't care, don't know, and it doesn't matter, then you make room for the beautiful notes of life. So many of us get drowned out in noise, and we accept it because we've been, we've been trained to accept chaos as normal, right? If you're not hustling hard, man, you're not working. And that's one of the, one of the skills we teach people, and I... And I, and I teach it as well. It's having the change agility, right? And knowing how to deal with chaos, knowing how to deal with a lot of information, how to get on top of it and how to manage all of that. It doesn't mean that you have to live in chaos, but you have to make sense of it. Yes. And I think it really boils back down to fear. Fear is the key thing, right? Because again, fear is what keeps us, fear is what drives us to want to please others. But fear is also the thing that drives us to do things that are unnatural to ourselves to please others. And I know that the more that we act in an unnatural way, the more we suffer. The more we suffer, the more we rob ourselves of our light. The more we rob ourselves of our light, the more we rob the world of our light. And if we are all from the source of light, it should just be light. Right? Let's spend two minutes on empathy because I really wanted to touch on this subject with you. And last time we spoke, this was one of your thought themes. Um, we focus so much on just IQ because again you know I think therefore I am some really smart dude said that well I'm not even half as smart I'm not even trying to compete in that area but I buy into the philosophy of I am therefore I think and so with that, then I know that when I wake up every morning, it's my opportunity to have 86,400 seconds of this day to have as much fun as I am, I can have. And if I choose to live in the gap in between the words and the thoughts and then the bliss of beauty, then I know that when I do think, it's coming from a place of love. It's coming from a place of giving, of creativity. And to me, that's the piece that we don't focus on is emotional intelligence. Like, Understanding pain and transmuting that into love. Understanding that we are all alchemists, that we are all wizards, and we all have a glass ball in front of us. And the, tr- the key to that is the empathy. And the only way that we can get into a, a state of empathy and we can truly, truly exercise that empathy is from going within. Women are born with a lot more empathy on that, that feminine energy than men. Men tend to have that masculine energy. Now, we both have the energies, but society has, listen, you and I both know the reason you look like that when you did is that men are not born a certain way and women are not born a certain way. We're both born the exact. Society shapes us, right? And society says to a man, you got to have the masculine qualities because you are the leader of the tribe. You've got to That's why I made that face. Right, exactly. Because it's it's thought, right? And I was just talking to my partner uh, yesterday or two days ago how even the women in his life raised him the same way. Yes. You're a man. You cannot cry. Yes. You cannot show fear. You have to stand up. And yes. And I say, now 
take the gender associations away from masculine and feminine, the masculine energy says spreadsheets, tactics, pull levers. The feminine energy says drink my wine, dance, have fun, and tell people I love them, right? Now, we all have that same energy, and if we can tap into that, both men and women, we can tap into that feminine energy of free, love, flow, and empathy, dance. That's where we get into it. But guess what? Because we put ourselves in these boxes and men don't dance, it's why I, I have no problem with telling people all the time. And I, I kind of make light of it because I want people to know that it's, it's okay. Like, I think that I'm a pretty manly-looking man, but I have no problem with having my top down, my windows, you know, roll down and Taylor Swift jamming jamming out as loud as I can be and dancing to shake it off at a stoplight. Why? Because I'm having fun. And we don't allow ourselves to do that, especially the menly men of the world, right? So to me, when you tap into that emotional intelligence, you have space. You know the concept of holding space. Holding space is simply allowing this exchange without judgment, comparison, or expectation. Now, when I come from an empathetic state and I up those EQ muscles, I'm going to hold space for you. So now I'm not waiting to answer your asking your question. And now when we can connect and have empathy towards each other, really when we can have empathy towards ourselves, then we can have empathy towards each other. And that's where we go back to feeding the source of love and light. I think of it as this. We come from a giant glitter ball source. And out of this giant glitter ball is all these beautiful rays of glitter each and every one of us is that ray of glitter. And throughout life, what happens is we get pinched off. And so we don't see the glitter anymore. We see darkness. And then we're sold that the darkness is the norm. And I say, when you can find that glimmer, you want more and more and more and more. And all of a sudden, your life is just really glitter and magic. And that's what EQ does for you. It allows you to live a life of glitter and magic. You had to learn empathy, right? That's what I understand through the lines. I had to uh, unlearn. Or, I had to unlearn fear in order for empathy to show. Yes, because we all have. Was it. it through mindfulness and listening, or through another route? Ultimately, it was through mindfulness and listening because I think I know that because of whatever it is our program has been, and it's really based. When I say programming, I mean our experiences, right? Our experiences are really built out of fear. I mean, here's the thing. Again, as kids, don't touch that. We learn fear before we learn love. So we, we innately, we, we kind of stuff that empathy away. Think about it in business. Don't be emotional, man, right? Exactly. Get it together. Yeah. And I think it's something that I've learned through mindfulness, and I'll make the answer really short. Creating that space with mindfulness and with meditation allows me to have the space to not shoot from the hip and to go, oh, you know what? Yeah, you're being a jerk to me right now, but maybe that's your ego feeling bruised and maybe you're feeling a little bit of fear and maybe the way that you articulated is only to hide and protect that insecurity. Listen, we are all taught to be afraid of the monster under the bed, but here's what we're not taught. The monster under the bed is just there to protect the little boy and girl in the bed. And when you can face your fears in that way and when you can allow it, realize that this boogeyman, whatever your boogeyman is in life, is just there to keep your insecurities from screaming. Now, if you can allow your insecurities to scream and realize that they are part of you, like I don't try to dissolve ego, I am ego, 
then you realize that, wow, okay, I can make better decisions. And that is emotional intelligence. Thank you. And I know you're running away with your son. So one last finishing question. What questions keep you alive, uh, awake these days? I know daddy daycare was one, empathy was one, habits were one. What's next in uh, Dylan Ali's life? That's the question right there. What's next in Dylan Ali's life? Um, What fun can I have? What crazy dream can I dream? And then I know that all I have to do is remove the resistance. And that's where the fun is, is removing the resistance, right? Ooh, I think I want to be on a magazine cover. Okay, here's not one, but two. So really, that's the question is what lies next? What else can I create? Because when you... when you remember that you have full control over it, then really it's sky's the limit. So really that's the question. What's next for Dylan Ali? <laughs> I'm looking forward to that anyway. As am and I. I'm looking forward to the next chat as well. As am I. It's been a blast. Always a Thank pleasure, you so Dylan. Much. Yes. And enjoy the day with your son and your wife. We're gonna have a blast. Thank you so much. Send some pictures. I will, I will, I will, Julia. Thank you Perfect. so much. I appreciate it. Have <laughs> Thanks a so much day. for your time, Dylan. Have a, have an amazing day. Take care. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye.